Welcome to this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 58. In this podcast, I'm going to give you an update on what's going on with my second semester of my senior year. And then at the end, I will continue our conversation with Amy Furman. That's all for this edition, and stay tuned. Hello, it's great to be back with you on another episode of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 58. In this podcast, I'm going to give you an update on what's going on with my second semester of my senior year, and then at the end, I will continue our conversation with Amy Furman. That's all to this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast, episode 58, and stay tuned. If you would like, you can send an email to munnmichael68 at gmail.com. That's munnmichael68 at gmail.com. Or you can also call using the listener line, and the phone number is 404 923 That's 404 923 It is now January. That means a lot of schools are now back in session. That includes my school, which is the Georgia Academy for the Blind. This will be my second and last semester in high school. During the semester, I will be going to several trips with my school. Beside all the trips, I will also graduate once this semester is over, which will be end on the 25th of May. Beside the trips and graduation, there is also a minor change in my schedule. Instead of taking biology during the time that I have my fourth period class, I am going to take government instead. This really fits me. Because I'm not a fan of science. When I graduate high school, my goal is to go to a training center in Minnesota. And then when I graduate from Blind Inc., which is a training center, I'm going to go ahead and go to a four years college. After that, I am going to law school. So those are the plans coming up for me. Last week, during the 57th episode of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast, I had a conversation with Amy Furman regarding to Braille and how to get a certification of transcribing and proofreading Braille from the Library of Congress. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about Amy's business, Hope Braille, and so on. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. I've heard that you started your own business back in 2006. So, can you talk about that? Like basically, what do you do in Hope Braille LLC, and who's the business really for? So here at Hope Braille,、um, we actually do a few things. One is Braille transcription from K through 12 and college、uh, materials for students throughout the United States and abroad.、Um, mostly here at Hope Braille, we focus on higher level mathematics and science. So we do a lot of chemistry and calculus and statistics,、um, geometry, algebra, all of those higher level maths and higher level sciences、um, that、uh, students need as they're going forward in their education.、Um, we don't do a whole lot with lower grades of late. Most of our work is.、Um, About nine through 12 in college nowadays. When we first started, we did a lot、um, throughout kindergarten through college. We still do some kindergarten and first grade textbooks because they're so different. And quite honestly, my husband, who is our tactile illustrator, really likes doing kindergarten textbooks.、Um, so we take on a, a few of those a year just because、um, it makes him happy. We also are working with. Um, other transcribers to get a book repository going because we believe that literacy is power. And as soon as students stop learning Braille for reading, 
they become illiterate and that's not okay. We want everybody to read and be able to read and enjoy it. We love books here. Everyone in my office is almost always reading a book outside of what we have to do for work. So we're trying to get this um, library geared towards elementary school children because working in the school district, that's what we saw the most, that's where we saw the most need was in elementary school kids getting books that interest them. Like it's all well and good that they have to get their AR readers done, but when they walk into the library and there's like six books on a shelf, like you can read uh, Harry Potter or some Beverly Cleary books and end of list. I mean, like that's it. There's, there's not a whole lot available. And because schools have a hard time paying for it. It's not anybody doing anything against anyone. They just have a hard time paying for it. When the schools are looking at, you know, $60,000 for a math book and $40,000 for a science book, those, those little uh, readers that we think about that I can go, you know, heck, I was in an airport a month ago and was like, I want something to read. And I picked up a couple paperback books for a few dollars. And I got two of them for under 10. We can't do that with Braille. They're still looking at, even with some of the places that try to help, they're still looking at $25 to $30 per book. And when you've got a kid that's a reader and wants to read two or three books a week, that can get very expensive for schools and parents and things like that. So that's what we're hoping to do is get a catalog together of books that students can borrow and share and come back to the library so that another student can use it. Oh yes, Braille is expensive and it also takes a lot of room. I still remember when I was in 7th grade and one of our curriculum is life science. I have the book for that. And let me tell you, the entire book for life science literally took up the entire bookshelf. And every time when I'm done with one, I have to go back to the supply room where the embossers and, and those things are located and trade off the old book because of Braille is being hard to produce nowadays. In Library of Congress, they're doing the Braille e-reader piloting test. And I'm one of the tester. How that work is they give out a Braille display that is 20 cell. And then every three months, they send out a form or survey to you asking uh, anything that they can improve on the mm. machines. A lot of school think that students nowadays don't need to learn Braille because screen reading and speech synthesizers are now taking place of braille so what is your thought on that personally i hate it i love technology don't care that i hate technology i hate that students aren't getting real braille i believe that reading poetry to yourself rather than having even a speech synthesizer speak it to you is radically different um, the inflection that you would put somewhere that a speech synthesizer doesn't, things like that. Uh, I think it's very important. I think it's important to learn subjects like math and science with physical Braille and physical tactiles. I believe you need hard copy Braille for that to be effective. I love that it's available for students that want it or need it, but I don't think it replaces the need for Braille, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, that makes sense. That, that I think very... we need to find a balance. Oh, yes. Yeah, find a balance between screen reading technology and the usage of Braille. And personally, I actually benefited from 
Braille, this writing system, because every time when I do my podcast work, and also when it requires me to read something off of my computer, so that's why I don't make mistakes, I just plug in a Focus 40 Braille display like I'm doing now. Sometimes I do script and sometimes I don't. So I would just read what I wrote and then go from there. Can you tell my listeners how does a printed document is being transcribed into Braille? Because I think that's a great information that my listeners would want to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we start with a book, um, any book. I, I have sitting on my desk right now um, a book titled Seas Behind Trees by Michael Doris. Um, I've, I enjoy transcribing it. But the first thing we do in our office is we receive the book. We will break the binding, um, which sounds really more dramatic than it is. We cut off the, the edge where the book is held together so that then I just have um, sheets. And we will send that through a, a, a scanner that scans both sides. And usually it's it's an ADF, an automatic document feeder, where we just throw it in there and it scans it. Um, one of my office staff will look at it, make sure all the pages are there, make sure all the pages are clear, and then we'll send it through optical character recognition or OCR. From there, one of the transcribers will take the book digitally, basically copy it and paste it into the translator and then we will put together the title pages and the preliminary pages, and then we'll proofread the text um, from start to finish. And then it goes to a proofreader who proofreads the text from start to finish, as well as the title pages and make sure that they're within braille formats and the regular braille code. And we didn't make up our own contractions. And then we emboss it. Once, well, once those corrections are made, I'm assuming that the proofreader found no errors because we're just amazing here. Um, and then we'll emboss it into Braille and send it out. That's very neat. It is very fascinating how Braille books is being mass produced because of Braille embossers and translation softwares. I assume that's how Bookshare getting those books onto their website. So what software do you use to turning those PDF document into eBraille and then from electronic Braille into physical Braille? I personally use Braille 2000. Um, I've heard good things about Duxbury. It's a print-based program. And so if you're more comfortable in the print, um, that's probably a better option. I learned to transcribe on a Perkins. So I got really, really comfortable with dots and only dots. And so uh, my preference is for Braille 2000 because I can do all of my work in... Um, like you said, e-braille. So I'm not looking at print. I'm just looking at braille on my screen. That is very interesting. Do you have a separate space where the embosser is being stored or is just right next to the computer? Because sometimes the sound of embosser can get very annoying and it can really make people uncomfortable. So noise canceling headphones are an amazing thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> Um, it is right next to my desk. Both the graphics embosser and the um, text embosser are right next to my computer. Um, but when we are embossing, I wear noise-canceling headphones and I just listen to my music and I honestly don't even notice. Interesting. So what embosser of choice does your company uses for both uh, literary braille and graphical uh, de designing? So we were huge fans of enabling technologies um, way back in the day. Mine are pretty old now. I've got a 
I've got a Romeo in the garage and I use a Juliet and an ET here. I'm sorry. I had to turn and see what, what was on my desk. <laughs> um, and then uh, we have one of the original Tiger Pros that's still working here in our office. And we'll probably get a new, um, a new View Plus one of those um, if and when this one fails. But that, I don't foresee that happening in the near future. It's been going strong for years now. Are those brown embossers eligible for Interpoint embossing? Um, the ET and the Juliet both do Interpoint. I don't believe the Romeo did. Um, it's kind of the backups backup. Um, and most graphic embossers can't do Interpoint. It has to do with the offsetting. If you've got like a field of color, it's really hard to offset. That's how Interpoint works is the dots on the front side are just slightly offset from the dots on the back side so that they don't overlap. With graphics, you really can't do that because where you would put it to put the texture in, where you would put the dots to put the texture in, there would be no place to offset. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. You kind of have sense. to visualize what I'm saying. It makes sense because the paper is only that thick. And once you put two graphics on one side, it can really mess up the braille. When it, it's more about pixelation. So if you think of, let's just think of a checkerboard in black and white. The first square is white, so it's got nothing. And the second square has a dot because it's black. But now that checkerboard is very, very small. And that is the space that the dots have between each other to make up the graphic. When my checkerboard gets very, very small, there's no offset. Because if I have an entirely black checkerboard, there isn't that pixel of white to offset it in. Does that make sense? That is a very good analogy that you use checkerboard as an example. We're about to wrap up for this podcast. It is a tradition. Every time when I finish a podcast interview with my guest, I would always ask them whether they have any advice to offer to my listeners. So in this case, Amy, do you have any advice to offer to those people who's really interested of going into the industry? Don't compare yourself to others. The only person that you need to worry about is yourself. However well the, the student next to you is doing, however well your teacher does when they transcribe to show you what it should look like, the only race you're running is against yourself. And don't let someone else's success deter you because you don't feel that you're getting the success as fast as others. Braille is a very interesting concept. And I've watched students that get it from the very beginning get halfway through the lessons and suddenly it just stops making sense to them and they just can't grasp the concepts and I've seen students muddle through from lessons one to like eight or nine and all of a sudden braille just clicks and they are blowing through lessons like you wouldn't believe after that it it's give yourself a chance to learn it this isn't math where you learn the concept and then you move on and then you learn the concept and then you move on where math kind of builds on itself, but you can skip a few things and review and get caught up. Braille isn't like that. From lesson one to lesson 19, the things that you're learning will be used. You will need to refer back to lesson two in lesson 17. You will need to refer back to lesson two in lesson 20. It will happen. And so learn it, take the time to learn it rather than trying to just get through lessons. That would be my advice.
That is a very well given advice. And Lewis Braille once said that Braille is knowledge and knowledge is power. This is it for this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. If you have any questions or problem, please feel free to call using the listener line. And the phone number is 404-923-0115. That's 404-923-0115. You can also send me an email and the email address is m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. That's m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. Thank you, Amy, once again for coming to the studio and have a chat with me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, you welcoming me to your podcast. Thank you. And folks, this is it for this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. And have a nice day. Mm-hmm.